0: The Managing Madrid podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and is now available in USA, Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and the EU. We have an exclusive offer for our audience. Use code Madrid to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the movement and the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped worldwide. Someone who definitely Manscaped today against Abar Marco Asensio. He... Had big moments in this game. We obviously scored a beautiful goal. Beautiful first touch to receive the ball. Set himself one-on-one with the keeper. Great finish. He also scored a really beautiful goal that did not count. But a great performance from Asensio all around. Much needed as we head into uh, the Liverpool first leg game. And obviously two massive games ensuing that one. So a great performance from Asensio. He definitely manscaped before he hit the pitch. Matt, anyone that didn't manscape today? <laughs>
1: Yeah, Keon, there was someone who didn't manscape today. It was a certain uh, Brian Hill, the youngster. He still has a thing or two to learn about the game, including the importance of manscaping. He, he had a, a veteran manscaper marking him today, uh, Lucas Vazquez, who just shut him down, was all over him. So still, still a thing or two to learn for Brian Hill.
0: Join the Manscaped movement and start taking care of your balls today. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code ManagingMadrid at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code ManagingMadrid at Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Also, a massive, massive podcast schedule coming your way. So today's episode, the post game for A-Bar, is obviously free. Tomorrow's massive Liverpool preview will feature myself, Om Arvind, Josh Williams and Ryan O'Hanlon. Josh and Ryan are incredible. They do amazing tactical work. Their writing is awesome. Scouting analysis, all that stuff. Um, and they're both Liverpool fans. So that makes it even more fun. So we will record that mega preview. And that's going up tomorrow night. That could be close to three hours by the time it's finished and everything. So that's also going to be for free. And then on Tuesday, we have a loan tracker, which is will be very fun. Right now, as we speak, I just saw the lineup, Odegaard and Ceballos starting against Liverpool and there'll be other talking points. And then the post-game show for the Liverpool first leg will be on patreon.com slash managing Madrid and not only on patreon.com slash managing Madrid, but also live on Zoom. So if you're a patron, you can actually join us after the game and join our recording and interact with us during the post-game show. That is a ton of fun. We did that for Atalanta and Inter earlier this season and it was a ton of fun. Like, people just love it. And then, and then we'll get into the mailbag on Thursday. That's over on Patreon.com/slash-ManagingMadrid. And then Barca and Liverpool again. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. I don't want to overwhelm you too much, but basically become a patron and get a ton of value. Good bang for your buck. Patreon.com/slash-ManagingMadrid. And without further ado, here is the Abar Post Game Show. Let's go. De mucha marca, de mucha paciencia, de mucho control táctico en el medio terreno, justamente Casemiro parecía bien Asensio, bien Asensio está el primero. Welcome to the Managing Major podcast. This is your host Kian Sobani. We are recording this on Saturday, about one hour after Real Madrid take care of business against Abar. A 2 0 scoreline, a pretty good, sound performance, good structure, decent vibes, some nice goals, and uh, a good defensive performance. And this is a good little like final hurdle before um, the storm, right? Like this is like the this is the calm before the storm. Um, and then after this, we are heading full force into a tsunami of mammoth games back to back to back. So one final at a time, as Zidane would be proud of us saying, um, let's break down this A-bar game. I am joined by Matt Wilsey Matt, how are you doing?
1: Hey, Kian, doing well. Yeah, I, I don't want to be overzealous, but I really I really enjoyed this game. I thought it was really fun, especially the first half. Um, wasn't one of those games where we were yawning and kind of bored and like, uh, we have to, we have to drag ourselves through this. No, it was, it was fun. There was a lot of movement. There was a lot of, uh, Zidane just played around with the system quite a bit and had the players moving around, swapping positions. I know we'll get into it, but I enjoyed it. I thought there was a lot to be uh, optimistic about heading into hell week. And I think, uh, I think, I think we got a lot to talk about. So
0: I had mentioned this to Jose in the pregame show. That like, with all due respect to Abar, who are having an unfortunately a, a very underwhelming season <clears throat> um by their standards, and their standards are that they've respectably punched above their weight for quite some time now, given their budget, the size of their club. It's been very admirable what Mende Libra has done. This season they haven't hit that mark that they, they've been hitting the last couple seasons, and especially like two, three seasons ago. Um but with all due respect to them, um despite Despite their struggles, I actually thought that this game on the calendar, heading into Liverpool, Barça, Liverpool, is actually a decent test. The reason I say that is because they are they are still pressing at a pretty high high clip. Um, they've always been one of Europe's leading pressing teams. They have actually led Europe uh, in certain moments of the season uh, last season and this season. Their numbers are still pretty high up there, even though that entire the entirety of Europe's Big teams have kind of regressed with their press and obviously there are a couple exceptions and we are about to face the ultimate pressing team Liverpool who despite their struggles are very aggressive still. So I thought given just that we are about to face Liverpool it's nice to have Abar as a test and I would say one of the things that I was looking out for is how we deal with Abar's press today without Sergio Ramos I thought it was good. I thought Abar were also disappointing, um, but I think maybe both things can be true. I thought Abar's press was a little bit loose. It became a little bit more dangerous as the weather became really, really, um, I don't know, sloppy, rain-heavy, thunder crashing everywhere uh, into our into our ears. So um, I thought in that moment in the second half, we were struggled to struggle a little bit more with the press, but I thought in the first half, they, they, did, they did well, and the second half, they did too for the most part. So I was looking out for that. Um, but... But did that strike you too, like in terms of just like keeping an eye on the press? Obviously, we had three at the back today, no Ramos. Um, what did you think our build-up phase kind of looked like today?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I was kind of surprised just at how subdued Ibar um, were in, in the attack in the final third. At least they really didn't create anything. I mean, even Brian Hill, he didn't he didn't have a game to remember today either, so he last time at least he was kind of effective at you know, some trouble being threatening, but it, it just wasn't to be today. Um, I think, I don't know. I think um, I, I liked how we set up in the buildup phase. We had Maldrich coming deep, playing that quarterback role, as I like to like to call it. I mean, he was really deep. He was at times right there with the three center backs. Uh, Marcelo and Lucas Vasquez would pin high and wide. And then you just had Asensio and Isco often kind of roam in between the lines. And I think you got the best out of all those players. Like, especially, I'm sure we'll get into it, but Marcelo's performance was was a joy for the time he was on the pitch. He had some lovely touches, um, showed his pinpoint crossing and accuracy. I mean, when Ibar, Ibar were playing a narrow four four two, So we had so much space on the wings, and Marcelo was having a field day. I mean, he his crosses and his deliveries... He's he reminds me of James or Beckham like those guy. He's one of those guys that can just put it on a platter, um, and so having Marcelo kind of rediscover himself in this role. This I mean we can call it a hybrid left winger, left mid, left center mid role because he features in all those spots when he's out there. Um, I really liked it. He and Isco especially were swapping. And there were multiple times I have it written down in my notes where those two would just swap positions and Marcelo would come inside, Isco would go wide. And so it was fun. I really enjoyed watching like that freedom, that movement, that fluidity. I think it really played to the strengths of all our players out there.
0: I like the fluidity. Zidane, interestingly enough, I mean, this is not really anything new per se. It's not something... We are shocked about. We've kind of known this for some time. It was like this when Zidane as a player himself, was playing under Del Bosque, where um, he said after the game that defensively there is a structure. We all have our roles, but when it comes to offense, there is freedom. And sometimes I think that that can be a our we can be our own worst enemy when it comes to the offense and a lack of structure and a lack of game plan. Um, but there's a there are times when it works really well synergistically. Like I'm even even there was an interesting wrinkle where even sometimes Mendy would push ahead and Marcelo would drop to cover for him. And I really like Asensio in this role. I like my favorite version of Asensio was the one that's most fluid. That's he likes to like Lucas said on Twitter like when he plays centrally. I would kind of maybe take it a step further and just say like just a very fluid role where he can pop up into multiple channels. He loves doing that thing where he. Plays one, two, and then moves off the ball and gets it back and just kind of connects connects the dots and pulls some strings together. Um and interesting thing about Asensio, and and I know you had posed the question on Twitter, is this his best performance of the season? Maybe I don't know. There were a couple more, there were a couple others that he was also pretty good in. Um, and then a bunch of others where we just didn't even notice him on the pitch at all. But I thought in this game, more than anything. This was like a classic Asensio moments game where he only had 37 touches and and somebody like Benzema was even more influential in just kind of linking up the play. But Asensio popped up in so many key moments. I mean, he obviously hit the crossbar from a free kick. He had a beautiful disallowed goal, um, which was a classic golasso. And, and this one, the, the touch and the finish on this one was great. So it's nice to see Asensio kind of just take a have a game like this heading into an important stretch. Uh, I saw a lot of takes, Matt. Like Zida, uh, Isco has to start now against Liverpool. I don't know if I'm there yet. I, you know, I, it's very hard for me to take from game to game like that kind of data and just apply it to the team like Liverpool, who will be even despite their struggles, will be much more difficult than Nabar and will give you less space to work with. But um, Either way, whether it's starting or on the bench, um, I I was encouraged by the performance. So tell me more about your your take on Asensio.
1: Yeah, so starting with Asensio, I think I think you're right, Kian. I really like he had it was moments today, but all of his moments were impactful, and they were all positive, and they were all kind of. Goal creating actions or heading towards goal. So I think I, that's what I liked most about his performance. He was really, really impactful in that regard. And I, I just thought that this is kind of how many times have we said this, Keon? Like, we hope this is him getting into a role, getting into a rhythm, clicking into gear. He's had a couple games like this, and, and then all of a sudden it's five, six games where he's anonymous. So I'm hoping that ahead of Hell Week, this is something we can count on. This is the a version of Asensio we'll see more consistently, and I do think I do think part of it is the role. Like think back to I think it was the Hatafe game and the Alavez game, where even the Atalanta game where he played in this role, uh, and those those were probably his best performances of the season. So if we can continue to maybe maybe Zidane's going to use this formation against Liverpool. I mean that that's a question we have. Um, and that could be something that gets the best out of Asensio. And then, in regards to your comments on Isco, I think I kind of like I didn't see as much talk about Isco, and I really didn't have as many notes on Isco. Um, I thought he played well, but then when I went back and looked at the stats after the game, he had five key passes and three completed dribbles. I was like, what? I don't I don't remember Isco being that involved. Um, I thought he was good. I thought, like I said, I liked the interchange. I liked uh just everything he brought but i didn't think he was uh like for instance as as impactful as asensio
0: it was a quiet five key pass performance because four out of those five key passes came three of them came from corners and a fourth one came from uh, a set piece, okay. and then the fifth one was from open okay. play, where he uh, laid it off to Lucas Vasquez from outside the box. So it wasn't that. that now I, I'm yeah. not going to take it away from him because, like, I always defend Cruz when people say, "Well, Cruz gets a bunch of key passes because he takes set pieces." I yeah. think there is an art to pr- deliver good set pieces, so he deserves credit for that. But I think that's part of the reason why he was it was a quiet five key pass performance. But I actually I wasn't, you know, I, I thought probably out of the attacking. Um, kind of attacking-minded players. Isco was the one that struggled the most. He was a little bit weak on the ball. A um, couple of times where he got the ball in deep possession, deep positions, he struggled with 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 Abar's pressure. Like you know, Modric in comparison, who kind of just glided out of those situations and played vertical passes, which was much more influential. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't one of Isco's best performances, but you know, it was fine too. He's an, I mean, he's another name. I like look I. I can't even begin to start predicting what Zidane's going to do. Like that was one of the things that induced at least a little bit of anxiety in me, Matt. Was that so many people on social media or on Patreon or just like asking us on the podcast what is Zidane going? What are these rotations going to be like? And like, I can talk about it a little bit. I can just throw some 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 darts at the wall blindfolded. But it's such a hard question to answer. Like to me. I, re- I was curious to know what happens in this game because I think this kind con- this would give us a little bit of premonition, like who rests. Um, and I started to think about fringe players like Militao, um, and Isco is kind of in and out of the team, so he's included. You just knew he was going to get some minutes there. Marcelo was somebody I definitely thought of. I mean, if you're going to play him at all, it's probably either this game. I mean it's probably this game but you know he may make a cameo too in the other three games depending on what Madrid's situation is I I mean like the 352 masked Marcelo's defense in a lot of ways which I think I think we can get to I'm I'm surprised Matt that we saw the 3 352 cuz like when when Ramos got injured I honestly thought that the 352 was a big possibility um I mean, even with Ramos there. But actually actually, to be honest, when he got injured, like a lot of people said, What well, does this mean we can't play 352 anymore? I actually think 352 is a way to also mask Ramos's absence because you get more coverage. And Mendy can play that role pretty well. I think you probably slide in Varan over Militao, whose passing still does worry me a little bit uh against Liverpool's press. I thought he was okay today, but there were definitely moments that he was uncomfortable. And and so i think you can going kind to of go 3 at the back without ramos and and i think you can get solid defensive coverage like i guess with a bar it's a little bit easier because you take Brian hill out of the game you basically have done 90% of the stuff you need to do against a bar because and I I'm a little bit surprised he was taken off at halftime. Like I didn't think he was disastrous. I still think like you want him you want to have him on the field if you're trying to make a comeback against Real Madrid. But Vasquez tracked him well. He also did well the other way against him. And he was out of the game. So against Liverpool obviously will be a little bit different, but um but I think it gives you good coverage. So what do you think the three five T two gives you? Do you think that it's that we can, can continue this beyond A Bar into these three games?
1: I think I, I think that the Ramos injury actually does force Sedan's hand a little bit. I think he is opting for this formation because of the Ramos injury, rather than if everyone was fit. I think he would go with his traditional four-three-three. But um, there's a good article out by uh, John M- Mueller, and he talks about the elbow fullback. And Zidane likes to use Nacho in this role, this elbow fullback role, where it's basically the Mario Hermoso role, where you play a hybrid left-back-center-back role. And so when we have the ball, Nacho shifts pretty much all the way over to a left-back role and distributes out fairly well from there. And so it's either Mendy or Marcelo. I mean, Mendy was pretty much playing that role today, but Mendy or Marcelo are usually the ones in the left wide-back position that he, he can feed or cruise or Modric. And so I think that's why Zidane likes it, because it just gets the best out of uh, his replacement players. It gets the best out of Nacho. It gets the best out of Mendy, Marcelo, Lucas, Vazquez. Um, so I think that's why it works. I mean, with both Car- if Carvajal and Ramos were, were in the team, then I think it's, it's simple. I think he's going to do 4-3-3 with Cruz, Casemiro, Modric in the middle, and the team picks itself. But with those two key players in the defense out, I think you need that extra solidity. I think you need... And not only is it extra solidity, but I think it helps with the build-up play and it helps us uh, move out of the back. So I think Zidane likes this formation. I honestly, Kian, I wouldn't be surprised if this is what what we roll out against Liverpool. Zidane used it against Atalanta. Uh, He's used it a couple of times now. And normally, I feel like these games before the Champions League game are typically a test of what what you're going to do against the big Against the big boys,
0: well, it was also nice to get two other players uh, a rest. Avaran who didn't need wasn't needed at all in this game, and could rest after the international break. And Tony Cruz, who came off the bench, it was nice to have that that option. Um, I I here's one thing that I haven't seen talked about too much. But again, it's a little bit tricky because of Fede Valverde's situation too. Like if Fede Valverde was healthy, this would have been a lot easier to kind of predict, I think. But if Fede Valverde was at his apex of health and he was match fit and all that, then I think you would have seen him start at least one, or one out of three of these games. Um we know that he is back in training and he might make it back for the classical and almost probably for the second leg of Liverpool. But, uh, I think, I think Modric will, if, if it's possible, Modric might not start the classical like he has in the, in past, in past years. We'll see. Um, yeah, was, were there anything, any other lineup things that you want to discuss? We haven't really talked much about the game yet, but it's kind of, we're talking about big picture stuff <laughs> right now, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I just, I, like I said, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked the fluid tempo. I liked Marcelo. I liked Asensio. I think those two probably were amongst our standout players, along with Modric. I just, Modric continues, continues to be an animal, continues to perform. I think he was the, was he the only one out there that um, took part in the international break? I guess he, he and Courtois, but. Modric did bow out of the last game with Croatia, so maybe that's why Zidane opted for him. But I yeah. think uh, that's part of the reason why we didn't see Varane or Cruz. Cruz, obviously, we want to be careful with that injury, and then Varane, having played with France, so I think that's another reason why we saw saw this formation and saw the players we did like Militao I was I was really surprised to see Tao. Um, I thought he did all right. I thought his passing still was scary at times, especially when he and Courtois are. Delivering passes back and forth to each yeah. other—that's always a little heart and heart and mouth. But uh, otherwise, I thought he was fine. I thought he was solid. We kept the clean sheet, and uh, he probably is one of those guys that functions maybe a little bit better in a, in a three-man back line.
0: Um, yeah, I agree. Um, so let's let's talk about other things in this game. Um, what stood out to you in the first half? I guess outside of all the things you already mentioned. But, um, you know, we yeah. haven't really talked about Benzema much and and the goal scored and the other stuff that we did offensively. So what, what were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was taken back by just how – at. What type of tempo we were playing at? We were playing at a pretty fast tempo, and I felt like Ibar were struggling to compete with us. Um, I liked how the team shifted from four three three to five three two, and then defending in a four four two. So, like that was fun just at a tactical level to watch that. Um, but I think honestly, like we we played really well. We got we got to the goal. Obviously, we had two goals disallowed in the first half, but that didn't deter us. I think the essential goal was. Was beautiful. I think you you mentioned it earlier, uh, Kian, and would have been would have been a great goal to watch highlight back and have on the highlight reels with that back heel. Um, but ultimately, Asensio found the goal. He got we took advantage again of Ibar's narrow shape. It actually the goal stemmed from a throw in. So we had a throw in uh, high up the pitch, and I think it was Casemiro or sorry, Karim Benzema, and Marcelo do a little interplay. It finds Casemiro who actually loses the ball at first, wins it back. Classic Casemiro, so wins it back. I- Ibar we're going to counter it. Casemiro wins it back, then plays an outside-of-the-boot pass to uh, Asensio, whose touch, I mean, unbelievable touch. That's, that's the Asensio we want to see. Uh, outside of the boot, right into his path, sets himself up for a 1v1 and just clinically puts it in the corner of the net. So that that is what we expect of Asensio that's what we're used to with it with Asensio uh probably from his first season so it was good to see him put that away and that was he wasn't going to be deterred after getting his first goal disallowed so it was good to see Madrid still fight back uh even though they had a couple calls go against them
0: well it it was um it was a beautiful touch the way he took it was fantastic uh the Casemiro point is interesting too it you know, he gives it away, he intercepts it back. The interception was, was great. And the, the pass to Asensio was good too. So it was interesting to see, you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but the fact that, you know, Modric was playing the deep quarterback role, Casemiro was playing more advanced than Modric in this game. And I wrote about this to some extent on my column yesterday, where just like the way Zidane uses Casemiro is often the way the way Valverde, Ernesto Valverde used Paulinho for Barcelona and just the arrival into the box I mean he got in on the end of of a couple crosses one of them from a Marcelo cross and um that's the I guess that's what he brings from that role is like when you play him higher up the pitch um that's what he brings so I guess the 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 roles of Mordiç Casemiro were interesting and Isco was playing kind of more to the left and, and trying to combine with Marcelo and Benzema um
1: you know what I was just thinking about, real quick, is mm. uh, when people go back like 40, 50 years from now, and somebody else is running, a managing Madrid podcast or whatever it may be, and they're it's still gonna be us. Have faith. Yeah, eat healthy,
0: diet and exercise. We'll we be have, there. It's a marathon, <laughs> baby.
1: We have, uh, we have. Let's say we have some younger cohorts on the team that uh, are doing a historical pod, and they watch. Uh, they have all these preconceived notions of Casemiro that he's this hard man, this central defensive midfielder that was just critical to the balance of the side. <laughs> and they watch these games and they see him flying in like winning headers that should have been that arguably a penalty kick call and flying, getting on the end of every cross and being uh, the most vertical option on through balls. And they're like, what, who, what is this guy? I mean, it's just, I, I can already see it now.
0: I think it'll be similar. I mean, that's an interesting point. I, I think it'll be similar to um, us watching these historical games. Like, for example, in the fifties, where like I always thought, really before diving into the history a little bit more, that like Pushkas was this number nine and Di Stefano was this number ten. And then when you watch his, watch the games, Pushkas was like playing as a right winger. Often he wasn't even the highest player on the pitch. He was playing as an attacking midfielder and Di Stefano with just every position I think it'll be kind of like that I think basically the 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 mainstream media will see Casemiro as a certain old 50 years from now but then the the true ones like you said the managing Madrid uh, young the young cohorts the up and comings they'll do their research and uh, they'll be like hey and then and then uh, they'll they'll, they'll write the tactical analysis on Casemiro it's like hey Casemiro actually was this (laughs) Um, what else from the first half anything
1: um, let me take a look. I just think that, I mean, obviously we talked, we talked about Isco and Marcelo, the interchange. Um, other than that, not really. I think, I think Lucas Vasquez kind of underrated once again, overall his overall performance really strong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, part of the reason why Brian Hill was so quiet was because Lucas didn't give him any space or any time to even make a decision. He was all over him every single time he got on the ball um so i just he's quietly morphed into a fullback and i think he's much better in this right wide fullback position because he can quickly get up the field and he's not um as exposed on when teams switch the field of play or do long diagonals and try and corner him one v one so i i think this is kind of the perfect role for him uh so good another good performance from lucas vasquez
0: um one of the things that Jose and I had noted in the preview, um, we're just like when you look at A-bar's numbers, it's, they're strange because they, they're f- like before the game, obviously these are the stats, but f- they're fifth in shots in La Liga, 12th in XG and they're dead last for goals scored, which means basically they're shooting low probability chances. And they're just not getting good quality chances. They cross. Um, the only the only team that crosses more than them is Sevilla. They cross a lot and generate low low probability chances, almost like a a version of Real Madrid but with far inferior talent. So, and then you look at the goal that they scored against us earlier this season. It was from a Vasquez giveaway in Kike Golasso, and the the trend was kind of the same. It's like they're gonna if they score against you, it has to be through a freak goal. And they just didn't really have anything going. Like, I noted that the first time they really threatened with a good shot was, and it wasn't even a good shot, that's the funny thing, was Pozo gets the ball, um, Marcelo and Mendy kind of collapse on the ball, and Pozo sneaks behind them, gets the ball, and then beats Nacho and then shoots it from a, from a really tough angle with his left foot. That was, um, if I can find it actually was in the box in the 30th minute, And, and then like you look at their second half and it, cause I thought at halftime, like you, you know, there's always room for Real Madrid to do weird things in the second half. So I, I didn't think that this was going to be comfortable, but it ended up being much more comfortable than I thought it was going to be. And it was kind of the same, like, you know, you, you fast over, there was like that shot in the 63rd minute from Pedro Leon, which had no chance from like way outside. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, they, they didn't have much going offensively. To be quite honest, to, to threaten much and yeah. yeah,
1: their their XG from a total of uh, nine shots was zero point three zero. So hmm. they really didn't create anything. And I think to your point on that one shot in the first half where they beat Nacho, that's my only worry with Nacho is I think sometimes he can be a little bit over eager and over aggressive uh, on his step or when he commits. And I think that's when he sometimes gets himself into trouble. And we've seen that a couple times this season. Uh, otherwise, he's been foot perfect. But that's my only worry uh, with him, especially against Liverpool, is if he, he if he gets a little bit too eager to win the ball and they just skip by him uh, too easily and too quickly. Other than that, though, I think he's really he's really been one of our. Our best performers this season and really has stepped up as a role player which which we desperately needed given given sergio ramos's injuries but just to share uh real madrid's xg from this game we had an xg of 1.96 so almost uh right on the money with our with our two goals um and yeah i just i i like yuki on him always especially this season i feel like in the second half coaches have been making changes and adjusting Zidane usually does well in the first half and maybe surprises them, but then coaches have been coming out and changing their system or adjusting to to whatever Zidane threw out there, and then Zidane has struggled to make those in-game changes to react back to that. And so I was I was gonna I was a little bit weary. I was gonna see a, okay, let's see how Mendilibar reacts in the second half, but honestly, he Ibar looked even more tired and deflated to me than they did in the first half. Uh, which was which was crazy uh, until until the elements started playing a factor which was like for a brief what 10 15 minute period where just started torrential downpour wind everything it just looked like it came out of nowhere um, and I think that helped ibar a little bit obviously those are kind of elements they're used to and uh, they they started getting a little bit more of a foothold in the game but even then they didn't they didn't create anything they didn't really challenge us that much the only thing was that uh Lucas Vazquez backpass to Courtois, where he sprawls his leg out just to save it right in time. But that was really it.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was uh, that would have been a terrible way to drop points. But credit to Courtois for recovering and getting there and stretching his legs and and preventing that. Uh, yeah, let's. I think we can talk about Zidane subs. Um, I thought, because to be quite honest, I don't know if like the second half was that dramatically different to to start like. You know, go into like this whole different direction on the podcast. It wasn't that dissimilar, and um, and I thought Zidane subs were were good. I mean, he got he got um, he got uh, he got sorry, he got Modric out of the game, so he was able to give some rest to Cruz and Modric. So he replaced one elite central midfielder for another. You kept control of the game. bar were not threatening. You kept Casemiro in the game in case of his transition attacks. You got a replenishment on the wings because you knew Abar were going to go try to go through the wings and get some crosses in. So you got Rodrigo in for Vinny and Arribas in for Marcelo. I may be getting the order wrong here, but um, he made made four subs, and I thought they were all pretty good. And he got Benzema rest too at the end.
1: Yeah, and I think, honestly, uh He's, I think he was just coddling, like getting Modric rest, getting Asensio rest. I think he was impressed with what Asensio brought to the table today. Because even at that start of that second half, um, if you remember, Asensio had that good shot from outside the box, cutting in on his left foot, which forced a save out of uh, Dimitrovich. And then he also had that lovely back heel uh, pass right outside the box. And that's where I was like, okay, is this, this could be Asensio's best game of the season. He's really, everything he's doing, he's done well. Um, so I, I think Asensio may have been a little bit disappointed to come off. But knowing that there's bigger things ahead, he probably, uh, probably wasn't too upset. And I'm with you, Kian. I think the the all the substitutions made sense. Even Arribas, it was great to see Arribas come in for Isco, um, like for like change there. And they Arribas and Vinicius, for me particularly, as soon as they came in, you felt that impact. They had that combination. With Benzema and Casemiro down the left, where Arribas gets freed. He's released in the box, slings the ball across goal. Um, it eventually gets to Lucas Vazquez, who's kind of patient with it, finds Casemiro, and Casemiro scores. It was a cruise like finish from Casemiro, but ultimately another uh, offsides, VAR offsides call, this time on Arribas. Uh, but literally, that was instant impact from the three of them. And then I think it was maybe two or three minutes later uh Ribas and Vinicius combine again, and then it was that time where Vinicius takes Pozo on one v one, creates enough space, mm. gets a cross off with his left foot, and uh, it perfect, perfect to Benzema. Like that's the final ball we want from Vinicius. So, I thought those two in particular, uh, for in terms of substitutions, were were really good. And I thought I, I mean even Rodrigo and Cruz, they were they were good as well. But I really felt it from. And maybe it's because I was paying attention to them a little bit more. They're younger, they're they're exciting young players. Uh, and they I just felt like they made an instant, instant impact.
0: Yeah, Arribas and Vinicius were definitely noticeable to me, uh, more so than Rodrigo was. I also think they were the beneficiary of... I mean, the game was just kind of open opening up in something that resembles a pickup game, like the way Abar were defending at the end. They were just like... Multiple Real Madrid players open and attack and transition. And I think Abar had just kind of, especially after the second goal that we scored, they kind of just hung their heads at that point and they weren't really defending well. And um, Vinicius is in a string of good good games now it was like because he played well in the Atalanta second leg. And uh, he had a good cameo off the bench here. I thought Pozo should have done way better defending that. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that I know what it's like to defend Vinicius dropping his shoulder and dribbling past me. I'm sure it's not the easiest task in the world to defend. Uh, I also thought that like, he should have just closed the cross down. I thought it was a little bit too easy because I think Vinicius um, he kind of barely was able to squeeze that cross and pass Pozo. Um, but anyway, it was a gr- it was a great cross. So and and what the hell were they doing defending Benzema, who was wide open? <laughs> he had like so much time to to uh, to head that ball in. But it was a great off-ball run, and I think Abra had just hung their heads at that point. Um, yeah, Aribas, I thought, um, I like his off-ball movement. He, I like the way he moves. I like the way he's active defensively. I think he's actually, even though um, you don't really think of him that way yet in his career, I think he's actually well-equipped to play a, a wing-back role because he's so good defensively, and he tracks so much, and he's such a hard worker. Um, and, I, and I always watch, enjoy watching him play. So, I think part of the reason why you probably noticed him more than Rodrigo was because he had about he had 13 more touches in than Rodrigo in seven less minutes, and and so he was more involved and active than Rodrigo was.
1: Yeah, and I even I mean I think back to that initial play that was that was called offsides, and at first it looked like Arribas and Vinicius were kind of in the exact same space and just kind of on top of each other but if you watch that play a rebus has that recognition and he just he just stops he just stops his run pulls back a little bit and and waits and then eventually gets the ball from Vinicius circulates it to Cruz and and makes the next run and so I think that understanding of the game and that just maturity already at his age like he looks like he belongs he looks like he uh is a first division player like no problem and he just he He's adapted to this team and adapted to his role. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's a very minor role, but he's quickly made himself comfortable. Like he, it just doesn't look like it's an issue for him. He's not phased at all, and so I think that's the that's the biggest thing that's really uh, redeeming. And that I think all fans are kind of excited about is just this kid looks like he belongs. He really does. Um, but Kian, I wanted to ask you: Do you think? You mentioned Vinicius's kind of good run of form. He played really well against Atalanta. Do you think he he gets to start versus Liverpool, or uh, or does he not find a way in?
0: You're asking me the same question that everyone else asked me. I don't know the answer, Matt. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I, know. I, know. <laughs> I he obviously he obviously appears at some point. Like he's like one of the it's like the Avengers movie. Yeah. Everyone will appear yeah. at some point over these three this this upcoming trilogy. I don't know if he starts though. Um the other like curveball is what is are we going to see Hazard? I don't know. There's like a chance. I don't think so. Not as a starter, but I mean if he if he comes off the bench in the first two games, there's a chance he starts in the third one. Maybe. Um,
1: yeah yeah here's my thing with Hazard though I just feel like we've rushed him so many times that there's just no point like let him at this point let him just train for a couple months and just get to the point where he's so eager to play that he's not thinking about the injuries um, I agree completely so that's, my that's my, my take my on at. that
0: yeah. and I, I want I just want to agree with you I just want to firmly uh agree with you because if we rush him back like, let's say even if he's 100% fit, that's not match fitness. And it's very similar to, like, because Hazard always takes a couple more couple games at least to get into some kind of rhythm. Like, we threw him into that Manchester City game last year, and I don't think it was conducive to our chances.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, that doesn't mean he can't make a, a difference, possibly, if he's healthy. Like, off the bench and, you know, the game opens up against Liverpool in the second leg. I don't know. Like, it's... You know it'd be nice, but i i I do agree with you,
1: yeah, I'm just like I'm just at the point where I don't think you can count on him and you can't plan around him. like we just have to if he's there, great, it's an added surprise and benefit, but I think Saddam has just gotta have to plan without him.
0: Um, I was going to ask you about the elements, as you put it, of the weather, because that there's like rain, and then there's that, which will seem like a tsunami. And there was thunder I, w- I just wanted to ask you, can you verbalize I mean we've I think all of us to some extent you know we've played football growing up and especially if you play any competitive football you're bound to have played something like this growing up and I just I just remember like basically like from my experiences like your clothes weigh you down a little bit. To me, more than anything, more than like just a slick surface and really depends on where you grew up and how good the grass was. If you, if you, if you grew up in Canada, it's like your grass sucks. So you're either uh, playing on just mud puddles and the ball just stops when you pass it or because our our grass sucks so much, we have a lot of turf here. And that just becomes really slick, too. Um, but more than that, I find vision is is the hardest part of playing in the rain because you just have to keep wiping your eyes with like a wet hand and just try to try to clear your eyes a little bit, and then the whole experience of just obviously these players don't run into that because they have showers and stuff, but like getting into your car soaked and like then your car gets wet, you have to put like garbage bags if you have garbage bags, and it's disgusting and all that. So what, can you verbalize what it's like playing in that, that and members. and do you think it uh, do you think it, how much do you think of it affected either team here.
1: So, yeah, I mean, I think if you're playing on one of those uh, awful pitches, then it definitely makes a bigger impact. But given that uh, the uh, Alfredo Di Stefano pitch looked pristine, it probably actually made the game a little bit quicker, uh, or at least we saw that a little bit slicker. At least we saw that with Courtois. And uh, I think the biggest thing, too, is like you mentioned – your your jersey weighing heavier, like even if you get waterlogged in your boots, like that just oh, yeah, it that's all feels a little bit heavier. Uh, your touch, you just you're worried about. There's two things you're worried about. One, when the ball's coming into you, like, is it going to skid? Is it going to bounce up? So you're worried about right before you receive it, your touch, and then right after you take that first touch, to your point, Keon, just, like, picking your head up and making sure you find the right pass. And usually usually, it just turns into, like, a physical battle where teams are kicking it long, uh, and it's it becomes a lot more gritty and a lot more uh, less about kind of – Good ball circulation tactics positions and more about just who wants it more Uh, the good old-fashioned gritty football match and so I Don't think that happened today just because it didn't uh, The match was one the pitch was good and two it only lasted what like 10 15 minutes um so even maybe even less than that so it was kind of weird it just came out of nowhere i felt like i was like when they zoomed in on the on the broadcast I was like oh my god it's just started pouring down rain and then by the time mariano entered the match it was sunny again and there was no more rain so it was kind of <laughs> weird
0: um i'm even made the point like if you're attending that as a journalist vale babas is like structured a way that if you and he it, he didn't go to this one, but if you have to like get off a subway and then walk like a long time just to get to the stadium, uh, if you are not taking an Uber, so uh, it would have been it would have been. Are you
1: co- would you would have been covered like your laptop and everything or no?
0: It's covered, but it's it doesn't. But wind can take the water inside. Like you are not inside; you are just under like the stadium shelter, basically where the fans are like it's so it's not it's that yeah. kind of covered but that it doesn't factor thank in for wind <laughs> wind bringing water yeah into this it. was
1: thank god he wasn't there it would have been would have been brutal
0: yeah um all right what did we miss
1: um i don't know i think we we got all the offside goals um we talked about the potential casemiro penalty um i don't know did do you have anything
0: um I just wanted to also I just wanted to mention up Militão because I said I was worried about his passing. Um maybe not so much in a game like this and I think his passing was okay, but he did look uncomfortable at times. And I worry more about more about it against Liverpool. And by the way, like and I wrote about this in my column this week like I think Liverpool are going to make Courtois really uncomfortable by just forcing him to play passes out of the back. And so it's going to resort in long ball giveaways. Or just bad giveaways, I think. So that's something that we really have to prepare for. But um, Militao is really good in the air. So I just wanted to point that out. Seven aerials, one tonight. Um, I I find him reliable in those situations. And I find him reliable for the most part defensively too. It's just on the ball I worry a little bit. Um, And Isco, I think he's usually a really good outlet. That's one of his strengths is just being in the right place. I thought he was a little bit disconnected today, and he he often tried to play off the shoulder of the defensive line, and I, I just don't think he was getting it in those situations. I mean, he dragged some defenders with him, but I think he was just trying to get the ball on through balls, and uh, they were just they were too easy they, they were too difficult to pick out consistently. Um,
1: well, the uh, other thing I just wanted to mention too is Karim Benzema, obviously. He comes up again with another goal. This is 24 goals and I believe it's six assists in all competitions. Like it is insane how much we rely on him and how much he is everything to just our our goal production and our end product. Like this guy, I don't don't think we can say it enough how important he's been this year, especially with obviously Hazard being out all season long. Like it's crucial, crucial, crucial that he can keep this going. Uh, into all of april and may for us to really stand a chance because he's literally everything for us in terms of goal production
0: so i i find it difficult sometimes when we talk about goal scorers like just analyzing so for example like on churrosi you know we often analyze barca games and i i get desensitized a lot to what messi does because there's like there's only like I, I never really talk about him because there's like, what else do you say about him? He just you, his standards are so high and you're so desensitized yeah. to what he's doing that you, you just you almost don't analyze him. You analyze everything else. Um, I felt that way about Cristiano Ronaldo, too. It was like we'd go the entire podcast and we didn't even talk about him, even though he basically carried us the whole time. Like he scored yeah. like a hat trick. I'm starting to feel that way about Benzema. Like we talked about yeah, everything I in this podcast too. except yeah. him. But he I mean, his link up play was great in this game um even on that like there was that one moment in that third half in the th- third minute where he finds himself one-on-one with the keeper and I think he if he squares it to Asensio that's a goal but he didn't but even that like he has this amazing knack for just taking advantage of those situations like we have the Reich thing against Bayern where he pounced obviously um what was the other one? Uh Carious obviously. He just has a good instinct for those situations where he kinda takes advantage of those situations. Um but again, he was he was great. Link up play was great. Scores Yeah I was Yeah.
1: I was listening to uh you and Lucas' and Lucas's Thursday pod and um obviously you had the conversation on Holland and Benzema and uh, Lucas kind of made the point that well maybe Benzema goes to Lyon if we if we sign Holland and that just frees up the spot and I'm just thinking to myself even after today like how we just can't afford to lose those goals though I mean we're still looking to add obviously 30 40 goals to to our season we can't afford to lose Benzema I think you I think you have to find a way to play them both together and make it work and make the system work just because. One, we we need Holland's goals, but we also need to maintain Benzema's goals. We can't afford to lose them at this point. No, but if you look at the gap, I think Casemiro's our second top goal scorer. I think he has six goals. I mean, the gap from twenty-four to six goals is massive. So we we need we need to keep that firepower.
0: I think I've mentioned this before, and I I, I think it's way too soon for him to go to Leon. Like I, I think he has two more years, maybe, like. I, so like Lucas was very confident about like look if you have Holland you can't really I think Benzema goes to Leon but I don't I don't see it that way I think I think they play together is what you see most and I think that would actually work I think it would work just fine actually it would be a different dynamic to Benzema and Ronaldo obviously because Ronaldo would play more wide than Holland did even though yeah. Benzema and Ronaldo would would switch a lot it would be a different dynamic but I think you would see Benzema on the left more and Holland making those runs inside and I think. It would probably reduce the need for like Casemiro going into the box at all times or Ramos going into the box as yep. you have Holland there. And so you can actually keep that, that position for an actual midfielder to to help with the press, the counter pressing, transition defense, all that stuff, the, the playmaking. I think it would work. Um, yeah. 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 Let's see. Um I don't have anything else. I'm happy to end it here because we have an insane podcasting schedule upcoming unless you have anything else that you want to bring up
1: no we uh it'll be a fun loan tracker on tuesday we already got some some good games this week uh this weekend yep odegaard coming up next hopefully is so, he gonna uh, play plenty, is he healthy I, I don't know i haven't seen i have notifications on when when loanies start i haven't seen anything come through yet but maybe the maybe the lineups aren't out so, obviously,
0: Matt is Arsenal playing against Liverpool in about 50 minutes. Odegaard is starting, as is Dani Sabio. So, boom, boom, boom. You oh, get a wow. chance okay, to uh, watch two low plus our opponents on Tuesday. So, I don't... I, unless yeah. you hate football, you're probably, you should watch this game. Um, yeah, that's going to be... A, it's going to be a busy loan tracker on Tuesday. I'm not sure how we're going to juggle that because it's also the post-game. So, we'll figure it out. We'll probably yeah. do a two-parter. Yeah. Um, so... Also, the the Copa del Rey final from last season is today. Yeah. So, that's the bastard It's the big weekend so for football. I was
1: thinking about this. Does Odegaard, if they win, Odegaard gets that title, right? He gets a Copa del Rey title under his name. Yeah, he does.
0: Yeah. They probably get so him a medal at some point. To,
1: yeah, even more reason to root for La Real.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Perfect. We'll wrap it up here. Um, Matt, thank you for your time. Listeners, we will see you guys tomorrow for the Littical Preview. Big one coming up. And thanks for your time, Matt. Speak to you Tuesday and enjoy the weekend.
1: Yep, thanks yeah. See you Tuesday. Tuesday.